The swirl of smoke from candles burning, while Mary looked up yearning. I got confirmed and I confessed. I really felt that I was blessed. Plus, I love my uniform. So did the boy who lived next door. But something changed when I became of age. Things I thought were true. Someday I'd break the big time. Hello and welcome to Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Checking my levels here. I'm not hearing myself, but we will. Um, I am Daughter 5. This is WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM, uh, live in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, and as usual, we have Wombat on the phone. Can you give me a sound check there, Wombat? Here's a sound check for you. I am feeling great today, and I'm here to prove once and for all the existence of Zenu. Zenu? Okay, yes. that sounds real good. I'm my, sure the audience will be really happy to know that there is a god. Well, Zenu, uh, and well, Zenu's my cat. Zenu. Cat. Oh, it's your pet, pet cat? Zenu's my cat. Oh. Yes. Well, you could have just sent us a picture. I decided to give him the middle name of Zenu, the yeah, pet cat. You could have sent us a picture on that. Yeah. He's going to cop up a major hairball in quick sack. But no, no. let's continue with the show. Yeah, put him on the mic when he does it. This is <laughs> Digital Free Thought Radio. Hour. It's a talk show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you get the feeling that you're the only non-believer in Knoxville, you're just wrong. You are not alone. There are several atheists and rationalist groups that exist here in Knoxpatch, and I'll tell you just how you can connect with them later on in the show. We'll go into detail. Also, did you know that there's been an atheist call-in television show broadcasting here in Knoxville? Did you know that one about I know all about it. It's a great, great uh, uh, film, and the best part about it is the part where the boy is like, I see dead people. Because then you realize that the main guy you've been following around is also dead because the kid can see him, and it makes perfect sense. It's a really great movie. I recommend anyone watch it. Spoilers. Spoilers. But that's not it, no. It's an atheist no. call-in TV show. It does not have a plot per se. It has a theme. And you can call in the show anytime you want to, and we'll talk about how you can watch it a little bit later on, too. Uh, it's also been, it has been going on for almost, well, over seven years now, and uh, we'll give you details at about half past. Um, and in spite of what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs out there, and you can hear some of them right here on this program and generally on the station as they are in rotation. Um, like I say, this is WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville. We're broadcasting live. And uh, for today's topic, I brought it. Um, I, I guess everybody out there has heard at one time or another that they should give their life to Jesus. But if you think just for a moment, just as you realize that those Muslims who killed themselves and so many other innocent people on 9-11 
that they are not in paradise right now. You see that they what they actually did was to throw away the only life they had, doing what their religious leaders told them was God's will. And if you give your life to Jesus, what you're actually doing is turning over your life, your hopes, your plans, and your decisions, along with your money and your dreams, to people who say they know what God wants you to do. That's awfully handy for the preacher, I would say. But really, are you? I mean, have you ever thought about the um, chances or the probability that a supernatural deity actually exists? Or have you just turned off your brain in that area and gone along with what you were told from childhood, from a time when you were too young to question it, or even if you did question it, just told to shut up? Um, Okay, so let me see if I can understand this. You're saying that because a lot of people are doing really, really violent things in the name of their God, or things that are, let's let's take things a bit more mundane. Uh, people going to church and tithing, uh, tithing, giving up 10% of their paycheck to help out their church. Are you saying that Jesus didn't tell them to do that? Because you got the book right there. It's Jesus' word. You um, know, if you're ever worried about what Jesus says, it says it right there in the Bible. Well, it, and, it, you know, it says those words in a book. But where did that book come from? You have to know the story about how the Bible came into being. And it wasn't just dictated to scribes by God directly. It was it was well, put together. Are you by, telling me Mesopotamian by, farmers from the Bronze Age didn't know how to read and write? Are you trying I would, to call me a I liar? I would say there? that has a high probability as well that they did not know how to write. However, the Bible as we know it wasn't even put together for like three hundred years after uh, Christ lived and died, or Jesus. Mm. Christ is a title which actually uh, means something. You just can't say Jesus Christ and say he was a regular man. Uh, Christ means that he was the one foreseen and foretold in prophecy and that he he actually existed to fill that prophecy. But what's funny is uh, the people who wrote the New Testament had the Old Testament at their hand. They could have written anything they wanted to to fulfill any kind of prophecy. What's amazing to me is that they didn't get it actually closer to the prophets. Um, the, the regular Jewish population of the world don't accept that Jesus was the Christ. So you have a problem then where you don't know who wrote this book. And if you don't know who wrote the book, you don't know the accuracy of how well it actually attributes to the word of Jesus Christ. But if we were going to say that wasn't true, let's just say that, well, let's just say that's all true. You know, there's nothing harmless that Jesus said. I think for the most part, what does he say in the Bible? Just love your neighbor. Treat other people how you want to be treated. Well, that's what—that's that's the you takeaway that—that's the takeaway that preachers would have you say. Um, but he said a lot of other things as well. Um, one of the things don't go to Chipotle's. Like <laughs> no, he, <laughs> said, the he said. He said you can't follow me if you do not hate your mother, your father, your sister, and your brother. Uh, he uh, said, you know, you, you take some, you, you lose some. It's not. It's, it's well, is it not? The, is it not all the internal breathed word of God? I mean, you can't just pick and choose. If, if you if you literally pick and choose, then you you are admitting that you're using a, a moral standard separate from the Bible to choose what is good and what is bad from the Bible. Well, you know, like you said, it's not written by people who are very accurate uh, or may who, it, the whole Bible could be suspect. But sure, uh, if that's the case, then can I just claim 
that the things that I don't like are the things that were inaccurate or probably written down improper, but the things that seem to be written by a divine and all-powerful being speaking through the body of a man, couldn't I just trust that to be God's word? You mean trust your feeling about what is what is right and what is wrong and what no, is I true mean, and what yeah, is like false? You said, like you said, we don't know. We Let's say most you know theologians have agreed that you know the actual authors of the Bible aren't exactly who they are. Well, and we don't I know who, who any of the writers of the Bible were. Sure, yeah. Like, Old like, Testament or we, New. But in the Bible, it actually says that there's a better filtering mechanism than what you can get from science. You get the Holy Spirit. It tells you what verses are good and what verses aren't. And what well, moves you how, is how the is things it, that how is the how, how is the Holy Spirit usually, how does it usually tell you what is wrong? What is the mechanism that it uses to tell you what is right and what is wrong? So you're probably not the best person to talk to me. Like I said, I'm <laughs> But I'll tell you what my mom says. So okay. I actually went down to Chattanooga mm-hmm. and went to visit my mom for about, let's see, uh, about a couple, uh, like about four days. That's where I was last week. And I missed me on the show, but uh, Mama Wombat says hi. Anyway, uh, with, with, that, with that much time, you know, with my mom, eventually there's going to be a conversation that leads to religion. It typically yeah. stems from, for starting to denounce science at every turn very passive aggressively. And then when I, and I, and I'm beginning to take more of a, like I said, a street epistemological approach instead of just directly countering her or yeah. throwing the facts that she needs in front of her. I ask her, why do you think that? How'd you come to that conclusion that this book is more accurate than what scientists say? Not uh-huh. saying either of them is right. I'm just wondering, why do you have so much confidence in one thing over the other? I'd like to know about it. Right. And that conversation is really hard to, I found is a better approach because then I'm not necessarily invested in defending a position, more just trying to introspectively figure out what she's thinking. And I asked her the same question because she brings up the Holy Spirit too. She's a Jehovah witness and she believes that uh, Jesus Christ would come to earth, but he was not the Messiah. He was not the Savior. And, uh, I, but she can still parse Good text from the Bible from bad text using the Holy Spirit. And I said, you know, why do you use the Holy Spirit as a reliable method to determine what's true and what's not true? Oh. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Dude, I'm getting to the best part. <laughs> so, so not much of a drumroll. So, I went from asking her, like, all these things, trying to get a serious answer, trying not to get into, like, circle reasons, but just, like, trying to keep it focused on what is the Holy Spirit? How does it actually uh, uh, affect you? How does me- that mechanism work? Why do you think it's reliable? And her main point was this. Hey, can you still hear me, by the way? Okay, perfect. Uh, she said that, oh, or she said, that the Holy Spirit will draw you. I asked her, what do you mean by that? And she says, you'll know when you when it's happened to you. And I said, well, what does it mean when the Holy Spirit draws you? She says, more or less, basically, that the Holy Spirit draws people, and when it draws you, then you'll have the information you need to know whether you should trust it or not. And I found that really pedantic, but... I don't know. We're on a show right now. It wasn't as exciting an answer I was hoping for, but I think, but I, but I can tell you what I think she meant by it. And I'm only going to do this with as best as I can with like my, you know, Jehovah Witness hat on. I think she means that there's a plan for you 
and it's outlined for you, kind of like if I were to draw like an outline on the person. And it's not until that outline becomes complete, like that, that plan becomes complete, or the plan's already complete, but I haven't fit myself into that outline yet. And once I fit myself into that outline by reading the Bible, acting a certain way, how, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses want me to act, and then behaving and thinking in a certain way, I will fit the outline that's drawn for me. And once I have that, the Holy Spirit will open up to me, and then I'll be able to appreciate the Bible. So really what it is is talk the talk, and then you'll understand, or walk the walk, and then you'll understand the talk. Faking it till you make it. Really, we could take that too. So what do you think about that? Dude, that's an incredibly frustrating place to be. Imagine being in school and you're trying to get an answer right for like a question and you raise your hand and another person raises your hand. And you both trying to like generally get information from your teacher, but for whatever reason, the teacher only calls on one kid and he never calls on you. And the worst part is you don't even see the teacher call on the other kid. The kid just seems to happen to know whatever the answer is, or at least is very confident what the answer is. And he says, Mr. Bradley told me the answer. Meanwhile, when you really think about it, uh, uh, Mr. Bradley is not paying any attention to you, as far as you can tell. And he seems to be picking favorites in the classroom. And it's getting a pretty frustrating that, hey, if I really want Mr. Bradley to help me, and if I generally want to find out the answers on these boards or get a good grade on my uh, test, shouldn't the desire to want to be a better student get me access to help if Mr. Bradley is also interested in helping me be a better student? Why do I have to? Microphone. There, it's finally going. I've got a short circuit or something. Anyway, uh, let me turn this up if I can by the master. All right. Um, that's better. Uh, is that you can't, the other, you who are not the favorite of the master or the teacher, not only don't get called on him, called on by him, but you don't get to hear his words. I mean, he, he talks yeah, to this other student. He, uh, he, no, he, uh, he gives out a booklet that's very nebulous. It doesn't yeah. have anything concrete in it except for maybe hate these kind of people and love these kind of people. Uh, or and enslave these kind of people, but when he when you ask him specific questions, the only person who can hear him is that one person who says that they know what he what he wants anyway. Basically, it's like getting a book dropped on your desk of complex trigonometry problems, and you're asking to yourself, "Hey, is there any supplementary guide that I could use to help this?" Because uh -huh. a lot of this is archaic, and when I really plot this out, like even the beginning problems, some of them even turn out to be wrong. And I'm really wondering if how am I supposed to interpret this properly? Meanwhile, other kids in the class are like, I got the answer. And when you ask them, they can't prove any right. of their work. They can't right. show their work. Mm -hmm. But they're really confident in the answers that they got. Yep. And some of them are even different from each other. Yet they all think they solved mm -hmm. the same problem right, yep. despite the fact that they got different answers. So you're wondering, when is Mr. Bradley going to come in and step in and say, hey, this is how it's done. This is actually how it's done. You guys just... This is what you add together, this is what you divide by, and then you get the answer right here. He's never coming into the class. And meanwhile, you're realizing that all these people think they're the favorite uh, student, 
instead of helping you or come to a realization that they might be soluble at the same time, or that not all of them could be right at the same time, it just comes into a much more frustrating mm-hmm. situation where you feel like, I want to express that uh, I don't know what the right answer is, and maybe that's the best answer yeah. because it doesn't seem like we're getting any help, yeah. and and maybe we're not at the point where we can come to a conclusion of what any of these yeah. problems are. Maybe we just need a better teacher or to figure out this out. Well, that's that's the other side. That's the other side of the coin. There are no other teachers. Anybody else who says that they're a teacher, Mr. Bradley will say, "No, they're not the teacher. I'm the teacher." You know, he is the one with the truth, and everybody else has no no truth. You know, because his students feel him, or the the particular ones who feel that they feel him, uh, get the truth. Oh, sure, yeah, that study, yeah, yeah, that study, the after-school study session must be really weird when you go there with your book and a calculator ready to study, and everyone else is just doing like a seance in the middle of the Uh room. Testing your feelings and then writing down numbers, and you're like, are you just randomly writing down things? But no, we're connecting with Mr. Bradley. He's, you know, at home in this patio. And then other yeah. people are like, no, 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 he's at Panama City Beach on the island or something like that. Yeah. And other people are like, no, he's just hiding in the closet or whatever he's got to do. With and there's, their answers may or may not an, uh, jibe with each other. You know, you, you get all kinds of different uh, answers from even the same people in the same church. Um, so what do you do in a situation like that? What if one person is, in fact, connecting with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. is, in fact, connecting with a true God, and are being spoken to, and it's not a form of schizophrenia, but they are, in fact, being spoken to by the Holy God. Maybe the, the listener on the phone is that person. Why has God given them this ability that is so closely matched to people who are having or suffering from mental disabilities right. or from like schizophrenia mm-hmm. or could be outright liars or snake oil <clears throat> salesmen. Like it seems like if they're sent on this world to be a torch, a light, like First mm-hmm. Peter 15, to, to show other people the benefits of living in a Christian way, they, this Holy Spirit concept is just so shady to people who don't necessarily have the, 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 the standard of belief that's so low that they'll believe someone who says, sure, I commune with a God just using my mind and my heart. It, it, it's just not a good, concrete way of demonstrating that God does exist. And if he yeah. wants to prove that to us, mm-hmm. he can find better ways to do it. And I think yeah. maybe that's what's most frustrating about it all. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Even also, if it was true, it's a bad system. It's also very frustrating that God would pick favorites. Like uh, you and I, we are told that we've got to have faith that it's all real. I mean, that, that Jesus is real and God is real and the, and the book is the word of God and all the stuff we have to take on faith. But did Paul? No, Jesus appeared to him and, 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 and took away all of his doubt and, and gave him proof right up front. He appeared to his disciples. So God just picks and chooses. I mean, he's got favorites and, uh, the rest of us just have to suck it. I mean, there's no, uh, there's nothing for us to do. We just, Okay, I believe, or okay, I don't believe. Sure. You know. So let's focus back on the topic then, because it relates right back to it. We have a, a, a figure in a book that we don't know where it came from, to be perfect, or like really who wrote it. Right. Telling us things that we don't know if it's necessarily true or not. They're fantastic things, to too. They're, that, not, they're not normal, they, everyday things, either. They're, they're things true. that right, go against the laws of, of physics. Sure, and even the things that he gives, some tend to be vitriolic, some tend to be peace-loving, some tend to be, you know, wise, some tend to be 
kind of destructive and not so good in the long term. Yeah. So in the question of, like, you know, uh, how do you determine what's good and what's bad, a lot of people tend to trade it, but they base their decisions on what to keep and what not to keep on the interpretation of the Holy Spirit, which in itself seems pretty vague. You know, it's just this constant game of telephone or of, of this really, really shaky foundation uh-huh. of where are you going to get your information from? From this weird feeling about a, this a nebulous idea of concept of a God that supposedly wrote this book that has no authors attached to it that are credible, referring to a figure that may or may not have actually existed in time, written by people who probably didn't have the ability to read and write, and referring to this one guy who, you know, most modern, modern historians would agree maybe existed, but he definitely didn't do the supernatural things that he was describing. And even the things that he's saying are, you know, arbitrarily good for people in the long term at best. It seems like it's yeah. a very long and twisted road yeah. of yeah, like uh, like he he also says. You asked me what are the, some of the bad things he said. He says, "Give no thought to tomorrow." You know, uh, uh, does the sparrow worry about where the seed comes from? That type of thing. Sure. Um, well, I mean, and if we did that, we would all end up being, uh, you know, uh, homeless. You know, just well, depending on the kindness of others. That you know, how many Christians are in the world? Billions. Can you picture them all homeless, just wandering sure, in yeah, rags? Yeah, that'd be terrible. Yeah. Well, I, I also have problems with, like, the Sermon on the Mount, which is, like, one of the most, you know, famous speeches that he gives. Huh. It also describes things like, you know, uh, you should turn the other cheek, the meek shall inherit the earth. Uh-huh. It, it turns poverty on, and, and basically uh, servitude into a virtue, which is, you know, it, 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 I, I kind of feel like if you work really hard to get the things that you want or if you set really good goals for yourself and you strive for them, that's totally fine. You shouldn't be okay with living in like the lowest one percent of life because somehow God found that you know worthwhile in this yeah. life, and that your glory yeah. is going to they're going to be rewarded for you in heaven. You should yeah. if you if this is the life you're living and you want to protect it and you want to have a good one and you want to help other people at the same time too, including yourself, you should be able to you know strive for any goal that you want, mm-hmm. and especially if it's something positive that can. <clears throat> To a lot of people, and if that yeah. ends up getting you a lot of money and health in the process, right. that's all the more better. Yeah. And you go for you, go for it. You deserve it. And if you're being uh, on the receiving end of the message that says you should be subservient and, and uh, obedient, uh, sure. that's not so good for the preach e, but it's pretty good for the preacher because then he can have yeah. you, he can ask things <laughs> of you that you would then have to supply him. You know, money, sure. uh, favors. Uh, how many people are out mowing yards, uh, mow, mowing churchyards right now for no no uh, no fees? Uh, or uh, just, I don't even get me started. Uh, okay, but you know what I mean. That, anything no, that the but preacher that's a bad wants, of memory for the me. preacher gets. I was one of those kids. Yeah, yeah. true. It's true. I'm not even going into the Catholic Church and the pedophiles. I mean, if I were a member of, a, of an organization that routinely uh, raped children and covered it up, I would stop giving them money. And I would leave the organization, yeah. but that's just too much of too high a bar for for people who are for <laughs> members of the Catholic Church. Well, you know what it is is most people just like to look at things at the surface level because ultimately, what religion is for them is just a means for them to cope with the fact that you know life is not uh, infinite; it's temporary and yeah. it's very delicate. Yeah. And you know, you're only looking at religion as a means to gain some catharsis over the fact that one day you will die. And 
that's really, and, and because we live in a society where we've never learned to grow up and deal with that as uh-huh. a concept, we've yeah. grown to be afraid of it and go towards any other avenue to avoid it as possible, including going towards religion. And I feel like if we were able to just, you know, more honestly look at what death actually is and realize that that's more just a way of enhancing the value of life that we have right now, and not something that we should spend our lives being afraid of, we'd actually benefit a lot from that. And it's a shame that Jesus never said anything like that, because that seems like a crazy nice thing to say. (laughs) That that just probably pulled out of my... My uh, back pocket right now, but you know, uh, I let's we can continue to go at it. I think we're near the bottom of the hour. What do you uh, think? We are. We're pretty close. Uh, do you have anything you want to say before we go to the bumper? We're going to go into secondhand salvation. If you think this ran over, we just started. Stay tuned. That's right. Uh, we'll take a short break here. Uh, we'll come back in probably three or four minutes. Uh, we will have a song though for you during the break, an atheist song like we promised early in the show. And I'm going to call, yes, um, Quiet Company, set your monster free. But first, here's our radio midway point. You're listening to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on Wozo 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee. Feel free to join in on the conversation at 865-333-5937. That's 865-333-5937. Five nine three seven, and now back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. Oh, daughter, I once thought. That I had angels in my room They were sleeping on my fan While I was dreaming of you And daughter, I once had Such desire to believe That our lives had been planned out By an unseen deity But you don't have to waste your time Holding on to beautiful lies Daughter, I once knew That everything that I believed It was good and fair and true And consistent Daughter, I am wrong Almost as often as I'm right So daughter, just be strong Enough to make up your own mind Cause you don't have to waste your time
And we're back. This is Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Doubter 5. Um, this is WOZO 103.9 LPFM Radio right here live in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we're talking to Wombat on the phone. Hello, Wombat. I'm the Wombat. Nice to be on the show again. What's up? Oh, you are. And uh, you're helping the show an awful lot by coming in every week, and I certainly appreciate it very much. It makes for a good conversation. Not a problem. Yeah. Good place to be. Yeah. Um, let me talk about the free thought groups here. I promised this a little bit earlier in the show that we would discuss that. And uh, let's see if I can get this microphone working a little better. And, okay, that's better. First, there's the Atheist Society of Knoxville, founded in 2002. November marks our 15th year. Ask now has nearly 700 members, and you can find them online at knoxvilleatheist.org. Remember me saying earlier in the show that if you think you're the only atheist in the Bible Belt, you're far uh, away you're from the truth. You're not alone. <laughs> That's right. You're not alone. Uh, you can also go to their Atheist Society of Knoxville meetup at meetup.com and just type in Knoxville Atheist. It's just that simple. Also, you can join us in person at our weekly meetup, which happens every Tuesday evening at West Hills Taps and Flats. Um, that's West Hills Flats and Taps on Kingston Pike near West Town Mall, where we get together for food, drink, and conversation. Everybody is welcome as long as you don't come to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch. Thank you, Matt Dillahunty. Another large free thought group here in Knoxville are the Rationalists of East Tennessee. RET has been around for more than 20 years. They have bi-weekly presentations, that's twice a month, at dis- and discussions at the Pedalissippi State Campus near Hardin Valley Road. They meet the first and third Sundays in the Goins Administration Building Cafeteria Annex. And if that's too much to remember, just go to rationalist.org and click on Upcoming Events. Or just follow the signs once you get on campus. Then there's the Sunday Assembly, which started in England just a couple of years ago and spread around the world. It's a no-God church setting for those who have been who have had enough of religion, but still like the fellowship of a church-type gathering. They only meet once a month, and that's on the fourth Sunday, uh, downtown in the International Building near the Fair Park. Then there's the Secular Student Alliance, which has programs to give camaraderie and community to any free-thinking high school or college student who would like to be involved in the free thought movement, or who would just like to find other free thinkers to hang with. Everybody needs like-minded friends, and atheists are no different. That's the Secular Student Alliance. And finally, there's a newcomer of the free, to the free thought groups, which acts more like a singles group. That's the uh, Humanists of East Tennessee. Go to uh, meetup.com and look for the Humanists of East Tennessee. They meet many times a month for dinners, hikes, movies, swimming, and picnics. Find them on Meetup as well. That's Humanists of East Tennessee. Now, earlier in the show, we mentioned the Knoxville Atheist Call-In TV show. That's a TV show versus the radio show you're listening to. The TV show is called Free Thought Forum, and it's you can see it every Tuesday, pretty much every Tuesday. They do, they do get it uh, preempted by the government meetings. It is community access TV, after all. But every Tuesday, pretty much, between 5 and 6 on Comcast Channel 12, Charter or Charter Channel 192. If you don't have camp cable, you can watch it streaming online at ctvnox.org. You can also find some archives of some of their shows on YouTube where a fan has been posting them. Uh, just search for three words, Free Thought Forum Knoxville. 
Also, if you're interested in getting involved with the TV show or this radio show, just come to an Ask Meetup or an RET meeting and talk to us about it. You could be our next co-host or guest. Um, that's about it. Now, you you promised that we would get into an interesting subject after all this. Um, secondhand salvation? Is that what you were talking about there, Wombat? Sure. I'm going to go on a limb, though. Okay. All right. So let's say that everything in the Bible is, wait for it, true. Everything? Right, hear me out. I, <laughs> I, let's just say everything's true. Okay. Everything 100% gospel, accurate, can't complain with it, divine word of the God, mm-hmm. take it or leave it and go to hell. Those are your two choices, okay? Right. But you're not really getting the Bible experience. That's how I'm going to say it. You're not getting what people would call, you know, Jesus straight from the vine. Because no one was there. You know, right. like, even mm-hmm. if it's true, even if like, it's as accurate as, let's say, our, uh, uh, like, a polygraph test attached to a uh, blind diving scene eye dog slash CNN slash YouTube slash, you know, whatever high conspiracy validated uh, investigative journalism. It's a very accurate source, the Bible, unfortunately. No one's actually actually been there themselves. Right. We have the unfortunate prospect of living in the current times where we have things like internet mm. and the cars instead of Jesus Christ walking beside us. Yeah. Alas, but still, we're not getting Jesus from the Bible. We're not getting those you know uh, salvation points directly from Him. Instead, we're getting the repackaged form of salvation from our preachers, from our pastors, uh-huh. from our bishops, from, you know, the Pope, from right. whatever, you know, representative for our higher power we have, the middleman yeah. is who I'd like to call. Because of this, we have this weird concept that this person that we're trusting, you know, with our salvation is being given to us by a second-hand salesman. Mm-hmm. This is used salvation. And what's more valuable than salvation? Why can't we get it? Why can't we order it directly? Why isn't there like you know a drive-through on every corner where we just get saved automatically? Why do we have to constantly get to this guy who probably graduated from you know like you know Earl School of uh, (laughs) Earl School of uh, you know call me a reverend in four years if I pay this school enough money? Like Kent Hovind, any math classes? Yeah, (laughs) because math is bad. Mm -hmm. And then just learn how to you know assuage people and talk, and then ultimately you know have your dad give you control of your parish or church, and then pay no taxes on the building and just live in there and raise your own family and basically tell people how they need to be solved the Bible. It just seems it's a shame that even if the Bible is completely true, we're relying on the secondhand shell of our salvation because no one's getting it directly from the source. And I just find that a little bit uh, disappointing. It's a little sad because yeah. you know I believe you know I believe the Bible 100%. It's like one 100% true, but it's just a shame that I can't get you know, the salvation I need directly from the source that I want it to be. I want that relationship with God. Yeah, i got to talk to Jerry, you know, who lives at the Third Street Fundamentalist New High yeah, Power. And not only that, but Jerry is telling you that all the other preachers can't give it to you. Only he can, or only his church can, only his flavor of Christianity. And even all the other religions who have preachers that are telling you that they have salvation don't. So it, you can only right. get it from this guy, and you got to be in his church. 
And not only that, but I hate half the people that come to this church. Right. <laughs> and you want to spend eternity oh, with those people too? Oh my gosh, no way! But you know what? If I go across the street and I and then everyone's going to add to the church that's on the other side of the block, everyone's going to give me you know bad, dirty looks when I see them in the grocery store the next week. So what am I supposed to do? Why is this? Why are all these little loops and holes with you know social engineering being played into what is supposed to be one of the most important decisions of my life? Right. Why can't I just ask God, say, Hey God, I believe this Bible one hundred percent. My Holy Spirit's telling me it's all completely true. Just, you know, come down and talk to me like how you did with all these other Bible right. people. Mm-hmm. I believe it. I'm genuine. It's good. We got the heaven thing done. Jesus Christ, I believe him. Let's just go. I don't need a, why am I doing all these other stuff? Why, what, what purpose does going to all these other places fill the people I can't even stand? <laughs> or maybe the What purpose like, does it serve? Yeah. Uh, well, not only that, but I mean that's assuming. And now, this I always like to bring this up, but that's assuming that souls are real, and if uh, and we have an afterlife, sure, and that the afterlife lives forever. Uh, I mean, there has never been any um, evidence, much less proof, that souls exist, and and they 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 try to inculcate you with the idea that you do have a soul from your earliest childhood, before the ages that you can question it. And but then but you, let's go ahead. Let's go on that limb. Let's say souls exist, and you'll have an even more terrifying truth. And that is most likely. Uh, I don't know if it's the same case for you, but my mom's religious, and if souls are real, she's going to go to a place that she's going to refer to as heaven, and she knows at the same time that her child won't because right. he did never worship mm-hmm. that God or right. chose not to. Mm-hmm. Even if I knew God was true, I probably wouldn't worship him. I'd be yeah. honest with you. I kind of find him yeah. a bit of a tyrant. Yeah. And so I cannot imagine the concept of my mom going to an all-expense-paid-for uh, uh, all paradise <laughs> while she also knows that the same time that her son is going to hell. And that could only mean two things. Mm-hmm. One, my mom's some sort of brainwashed drone that's up in heaven worshiping you know, a higher deity without totally forgot about her you. full... True, without her full mental capacity that made her my mother in the first place. Right. Or, second, she can never be happy up there, and she's going to be the only person in paradise that's unhappy. Well, her I doubt she'd be the I only woman, or the only person in paradise where she has loved ones, who have loved ones in hell. I mean, there should right. be a huge faction of people in paradise who are, are totally And how miserable. does that even work? Yeah. What, kind of, <laughs> well, what kind of paradise mm-hmm. is that? Yeah. I literally cannot imagine the concept of heaven if a hell exists, because how could you be happy if even one person is being sent to hell? Like, how could you ever enjoy paradise for an eternity if you knew that even one person who you may have never even met, maybe existed thousands Mm -hmm. of years ago, is currently being tortured alive and screaming in pain and agony over and over again for all of eternity that you're trying to enjoy paradise? If you're that cold you probably are not the kind of person that deserves to go to heaven in the first place. And if if that's the case, then who is there, if anyone? Because if hell exists, there's no way that a heaven can exist. Right. Not only that, but they tell you that the person who would... Uh, would has created heaven and hell and made a place for you in hell and knows you're going there doesn't care. It doesn't matter to him that you're going there. The choice is yours. You can go to heaven or you can go to hell. You know, you have to make the decision. Yeah, that's like uh, saying, uh, 
you can come with me or you can stay there. If you stay there, though, I'm going to put a bullet in your brain. You know, that's not much of a choice. It's it's love with a gun sure. to your head. And it's a, it's a really, really poor choice because he could make the whole concept a lot better if he just came down and said, hey, I'm God, by the way. Listen, I am real. I do exist. These are the things that you should listen to in this book. Let me revise it a little bit. Hey, you guys may have got some things wrong. There, no more slavery. You know, uh, respect your life. Treat other people with kindness. Don't be a douchebag. And that's basically it. Work hard, then I'll see you in the afterlife. Yeah. And he just zips right back up. And if, and I know a lot of people who are listening to this right now are saying, like, well, if he comes down, then we don't have access to free will. We won't have free will anymore, right? No. Well, the whole thing is mm-hmm. I, one I, I person. I know where you're going. Go ahead. Oh, go for it. Uh, well, one person who knows for a fact that God exists probably more than any other being or agent in the, in the, in the face of all creation and time or whatever uh-huh. you want to call it yeah. is the devil. Right. He knows that God exists. He's had interactions with God. He's hung out with him in heaven. He's been kicked out of heaven, and he went back to heaven to like go mess with Job if you want to pick that story literally too. Mm-hmm. But Satan knows for a fact that God exists and still chooses not to worship that. I still had his free will, God. yeah. And he's, if, he's just, if he still has the choice of exercising his free will, knowing that God exists, then why don't I have that same you know uh, uh, opportunity? Mm-hmm. Because at that point, it doesn't matter whether God reveals himself to me or not, whether he speaks to me through his Holy Spirit or not. I would at least still have the capacity to make an informed decision, and that's all I'm asking for, mm-hmm. which really isn't a big deal. Or yeah. It's just... I want to be able to make the best choice possible with the most important choice that I have to make on the most important subject, on the most important thing that I can imagine uh, weighs more than any mm-hmm. other kind of decision I could make in my life. I just want to know, is this the right God or not? And if that God cares about being honest with me, he would be willing to appreciate the fact that I'm trying to make a rational decision and express himself to me in a concrete, demonstrable way and from there, I can make my own decision of whether or not I want yeah. to work that yeah. particular guy. Right. How many people have you heard and they go through day to day just say, I, I pray for a sign. Once I get a sign, I'll uh, I'll believe in God. But I need a sign first. And they just leave it wide open. So anything unusual sure. happens, that's their sign. They believe now. I told you about that. Oh, I'll tell you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll tell you the best one. I, I'm sorry for interrupting. The best one, the best sign I've ever heard. Um, I was doing, uh, so I went to a, uh, a, a meetup group where we were talking about philosophy and I was still practicing my, uh, street epistemology stuff at the time. I asked the lady if I could tell, ask her, you know, why she believed. And she said, well, I asked God for a sign and he gave me a sign. And I asked what that sign was. Right, and she said, she said, uh, I applied for a car and then I went to a, a car shop and they turned me down, but then, I applied for another car, and then I went to another other car shop, and they had the car that I wanted. And that was the sign I needed. Mm-hmm. That, that God knows best. That yeah. all-powerful God exists. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is, this is a lot. That yeah. if I, you, want, yeah. you want to address yeah. that? I asked one guy. I told him that I was with a group of atheists, and uh, you know, at, we're at a bar. Uh, having dinner, and I, I went up to the bartender, and he asked me, what kind of group are you? I said, well, we're, we're a bunch of atheists. He says, oh, okay, well, I believe in God, though. I said, why? You know, as you do. <laughs> and he said, sure. oh, well, uh, I asked God for a sign, and I got it. I said, would you mind if I asked you what it is? He said, oh, well, 
uh, you know, I asked for signs, and he, and one day, uh, I started getting sevens on my paycheck and in my calendars and in my, my, you know, everything I noticed had any number had sevens in it. So that's my sign. And I looked at him and said, you can understand why I don't consider that a good sign, don't you? You know, that it's very vague and very, you know, it, it really doesn't say anything. He said, yeah. I said, but it works for you. He said, yeah. But I can tell he was less convinced after I talked to him. But, I mean, if you ask for a sign, yeah. uh, ask for a sign that uh, you should go to work tomorrow morning. I bet you get one. Uh, it'll be something <laughs> weird and strange. It'll be somebody who says, when you go to work tomorrow? So you say, oh, that's my sign. I should go to work tomorrow. Um, I mean, you, when you put no limits on it at all, you're bound to get some yeah. kind of uh, uh, strange activity, so some uh, coincidental thing. Ask for a repeatable sign that might convince people who don't believe right. in you. Mm-hmm. And and if you could do that, if one person could just ask their particular God that, even if it's not the Christian God, but just a repeatable sign that's convincing enough that it might get other people to who don't necessarily believe in that God to believe in it. Mm-hmm. One that we can test, one that we can verify, then at least we have something towards, you know, uh, a reason why we should listen to you more. It doesn't necessarily prove that your God exists. We would want to know, like, how is that being caused? But the fact that, you know, it's repeatable gives us a little bit of a step forward. And that's just like the, it's one of the smallest a brand comes I can think of. But truly, just say, hey, listen, I need a sign that you exist. Can you just come down here for a second and yeah. have a little chat mm-hmm. with me? Most all-powerful God of the universe. Right. Can you manage that for just like a couple of seconds? I just need like at best, you know, uh, 20 minutes of your time. Or if you just want to zap the information, we can we, we can have a little discourse. I can just record it on my phone or whatever. But mm-hmm. I'd like to have a reasonable conversation with you. Yeah. And if that's too much to ask, then don't expect me to be inclined to give up everything that I have in my one life that right. I that I'm aware mm-hmm. that I have. Mm-hmm. Especially a, when you can't shoot. when you can't literally turn it over to him, you have to turn it over to an intermediary. Your second hand preacher guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I'm basically giving up in a crap shoot to my preacher down the street and doing whatever he tells me to from there on, including giving up my money that I work for and the time that I have left on this world towards propagating his own agenda towards becoming one of the greatest uh, preachers of all kinds. Yeah. Well, not only that, but you have, I mean, there's so many things that you have to acquiesce to to become a believer. Uh, you have to you have to give up the right to your own thoughts you have you have to uh allow or think that somebody is, is watching every thought that you you make and every action that you do i mean does that not define paranoia you're going to give up your mental health um for for a perceived benefit later in the next life and can you imagine if you do that and you you're like an atheist and you don't really believe but you accept Pascal's wager and you decide to say that you do just to get along with your fellow believers. Well, I mean, if it's, if you make a small mistake one time, it's, it's, it's not that bad, but can you imagine living your entire life being dishonest with yourself and to, and your, your neighbors and your loved ones? I can't imagine it. It's, it's really one of the smallest tragedies that you can imagine, or like one of the most, I don't want to say excited, but pungent tragedy. When you get out of a belief ideology, you realize how much 
people are selling it to something that is ultimately just a lie. And it really does start right. to mm-hmm. make you so jaded and fill you with so much frustration because the people that you love that are being torn apart from their families, they're being torn apart from things that they've earned, torn apart from the time that they have towards what's ultimately something that's unproven and generally just unjustifiable, even in its own, uh, uh, just a claim that's completely unjustified. It's ultimately just a pipe dream. And it just makes you feel, it makes you feel really terrible that there are people out there, you know, your secondhand salesmen who, whether they're doing it genuinely or they're trying to do it in a corrupt fashion, right. taking advantage of people, whether they know either, it or not. Quite a few of either one of those. Um, I mean, these, um, what is it, pro- prosperity preachers who are saying, you know, hey, throw, throw your money at me and you will receive more from Jesus. Uh, those right. are just simply uh, out for the, what they can get from themselves out of this world. They don't really help anybody. There is no, um, what do you call it? Uh, when you uh, an organization that helps others, uh, charity to it. There's no charity to it. They just it's all one way, all for their personal benefit, and they don't care about the people that they're that they're taking the money from either. Uh, what was I think it? some Peter do. Popoff, I think some just healer. don't know any better. But yeah. I the, think some do care about their yeah. you know well, community. Think about I this. Think. Peter Popoff uh, was a faith healer out there, and he he was the worst one. He's the worst one. He would <laughs> he would ask people to take the drugs that they came with, like their prescription drugs, and throw them up on the stage because they don't need them anymore. They're healed. Now he's sure. going to leave at the end of the show, and they're going to go back home, and they're going to start having their symptoms again. But he's going to be gone, and and sure. he goes to the next uh, you know the next town. They don't hear about all the people back there. They're having. Uh, terrible times, but he he starts throwing out more pros, promises, and because they've already been primed with faith to believe everything he says, he does it again and but, keeps doing it. But on the flip side, on the flip side, I remember I used to go to a Southern Baptist church when uh-huh. we first moved to Georgia, and there was a guy there named Pastor Simon, and he was a really nice dude. He let me learn how to play the drums for the first time. He loves playing guitar. He loved his community, and he wanted to do whatever he could to help them. And the best way he knew how, even if it wasn't actually, you know, helpful in the rational sense, uh-huh. but uh, definitely in his most sentimental, genuine way forward was to get his community, his, you know, his congregation closer to God. And he tried to do that any way he could possible. But here, I guess, is the thing. If you're going to get your salvation secondhand, if you're getting it secondhand, I think not only is it up to you to pay attention to, you know, what the fine print is and what you're being sold, investigate it for yourself, but if you're one of those preachers, if you're one of those pastors, if you're one of the people, you know, who's a deacon in their church and, and you're handing out, you know, the books, if you're a youth pastor and you're teaching the kids at summer camp, you know, every, you know, passage from the Bible, uh, or at least from, you know, the good parts of the Bible, that the, the classic hits, you have probably one of the slightly, you have one of the biggest responsibilities in the world, and that is expressing truth to other people who are searching for it. And the way how you deliver it can really affect how they interpret it. Because whatever you tell them to a certain extent, they're taking it in, they're absorbing it, and they're taking that information. And they may use that in the outside world, outside of your church, in positive or negative ways. And I think you have a responsibility, if you're one of those people, to do it in the most honest 
uh, intellectually honest ways that you possibly can. Maybe you're in a situation where you can't go completely against you know, the ideology of your church, but you could, in the capacity that you have, give them the opportunity to critically assess things around them, not turn them away from science, get them towards respecting other people for who they are, and get them slightly away from what's actually written down in your book and more towards what's going on in the real world. Get them close to uh, appreciating, each other, appreciating each other as people and uh, learning how their actions lead to direct consequences. If you could do that, you're getting them closer to what is the real truth and not necessarily what's an evangelized truth that you're supposed to give them according to the script. And I think even if you don't completely believe, if, even if you don't completely believe with anything you say, and you do believe in uh, Jesus Christ and God and stuff like that, you still owe it to the people that you talk to, who are listening to, who are wanting something meaningful, to give them something that can at least be concrete and demonstrable as a truth, rather than something that's just ultimately a gamble or a pipe dream or something that no way could be able to prove in our lifetime. Right. And that's a good message to go out to the people who are in the clergy project. Uh, I've talked about this before. The Clergy Project is a, a internet-based project for uh, clergy preachers, uh, priests, um, imams who no longer believe, but still uh, can't give up their job because of financial reasons or family reasons or society reasons. So, if you're one of those people, if you're stuck in a job preaching from the pulpit and you no longer believe, do a search, a Google search for the Clergy Project. They have uh, they have ways of training you for other work and uh, a lot of help that gets you along that path. There are several things you can do besides preach. Um, sure. Any final words before we go on out? Try to believe in the actual instead of the spiritual, if you can. I'll figure out a way to get that more trendy, <laughs> but I like that so far. Yeah. And if if the uh, if what they're trying I like to tell you, like actuality over spirituality. Okay, that How about that? Good. Oh, that's not bad. That sounds real Put good. that on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and my final word, of course, is as usual. Everybody is going to somebody else's hell. Don't sweat it until they prove that it exists. This is Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Doubter Five. I'm the Wombat. And the Wombat. And we'll be here next Sunday at seven. Not Sunday. We change to Wednesday now. Well, every Wednesday at 7 o'clock, WOZO Radio, 103.9 LPFM, and we'll see you next week. Say bye. Bye. Free Talk Radio Hour. Simply 